and welcome back to Going for Two, the official podcast of the Extra Points newsletter. I am your host, the publisher of said newsletter, Matt Brown, joined here uh, after a brief holiday hiatus by my colleague and co-host, Brian Fisher. How you holding up, man? Did you have a good Christmas? I did have a good Christmas. It was uh, it was fun to kind of relax a little bit, um, you know, maybe take some time off Twitter and uh, uh, spend it with the family. And uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, a fantastic holiday season, I guess you could say, even though we are dealing with a whole lot, not only in the college space, but um, outside of it as well. It, but uh, it, it was great to uh, see my kids open their their presents and uh, hopefully they are uh, happy and, and content playing with a lot of that stuff because uh, it was not easy building it, my friend. Let me tell you, there was a lot of time spent with that, uh, that screwdriver and um, yeah, putting it all together. All right. So you, you, you got to tell me what, what did you build for the kids? Are we talking, are we talking a playhouse situation here, like a, a slide. What was the, how, using the, the Adam Kramer like metric here, how many beers was it to put all this together? It's probably like a three beer, three, three and a half beer <laughs> type of job. You know, we had a couple of RVs with Barbie, you know, it, it's oh, the no. small things for me that, uh, that really get me, you know, it's like the, the little Barbie stickers that you got to put just yeah. right or else, uh, they, they will definitely notice that. That to me is the, the, the little stuff that, uh, I always have an issue with, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun putting it together. You know, that's, it's it's life as a, as a dad in particular, but, uh, uh, it, it was fun at least just to kind of, kind of unwind a little bit and, and try to relax because, uh, uh, it, it was quite the year, and uh, I think uh, based on everything we've been been seeing and hearing, it's it's going to be quite the 2022 as well. Dude, it was it was a hell of a year. I I was in a similar boat, and my my wife Taylor, um, she doesn't listen to this, so it's okay if I say this. Um, <laughs> as as trying to further embrace the idea of if not a zero waste lifestyle, a, a a limited waste. And one of the problems with children's toys, of course, is that they generally come with a shipping container's worth of plastic packaging. So her idea was, why don't we uh, make the gifts this year, or at least make as many of them as we can? And uh, me being an amateur woodworker thought like, well, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to play along here. And let me tell you, it's hard. I, I don't know how Santa does it. Making stuff out of wood, like on, on uh, trying to, to industrialize that on, on, on deadline while also trying to do work was a challenge. But I made my girls some magic wands uh, out of my new lathe. And uh, my wife uh, sewed them capes. And uh, I got to admit, like, that, that was pretty cool. A little bit of Christmas magic there. And then, of course, you know, they, they, they got a Switch game from Santa, uh, who is, is not obligated to follow by our rules. And so now, now they're dressed up like wizards, but they're, you know, they're playing Animal Crossing. Um, I, I, I don't think I'll be able to keep doing this. <laughs> like it's, it's hard to assemble everything. But, it, it, you know, the nice thing about the garage, the thing that I love about sitting at the lathe or at the table saw is, can't really be on Twitter while I'm doing it, which is a nice break from the last 11 months. Let me tell you, I, I think I'm going to uh, look around, uh, look around the house now, and uh, maybe, maybe by the time spring rolls around, uh, I might have to put in a couple orders with uh, Matt Brown Inc. Now, uh, to, <laughs> so you can uh, move from children's toys maybe to a, uh, I don't know what, maybe maybe a podcasting setup, maybe put my little uh, roadcaster here in, in a nice little wooden box, you know, with the cutter. We'll, we'll have to work it out, out well, yeah, work well, it out well, offline, you know. But uh, you know, listen, people, listen. If, if, if I need to replace my kind of giveaway gift for extra point subscriptions right now, it's stickers. If, if it's, if it's cutting boards, if it's small jewelry boxes, if it's uh, candlestick holders, if that's what it takes to get you guys to subscribe to extra points. I'm willing to, I'm willing to fire up good spot woodworking. 
and, and, and make that happen. Like you send me an email, send me a tweet. If there's like, listen, the, the, the thing that I need here to get people to subscribe to this is this handicrafted woodworking item. I, I will, I will work with you on that. It, the, the, the difference between the two of us is so, so you've gone heavy into woodworking. Like the next thing that, that I want to jump into is like the 3d printing thing. That, that sounds that super me, cool. That, that to me is the, the thing. Like, I'm like, I'm kind of eyeing those 3d printers. Like maybe I can make like a tablet holder, you know, yeah. like, you know, just kind of do some cool stuff and, and print it with. And so that, that to me is, you know, we can, we can make a, maybe we can combine, you know, if, if we reach a certain plateau, there I'll get go. the 3D printer. All right. You can do the woodworking. We, we, I can do like some uh, extra points logo or, or even going for two logo type of uh, I, I don't even know what, what, what we could come up with. But uh, we'll find, find out something uh, if, we, if we hit a certain number in the spring. OK, I, I, I like this. We are going to pivot to industrialization. Everyone else is going to pivot to video or pivot to gambling or something like, no, we're going to start a factory. We're going to we're going to we're going to go old school. I love it. I love it. And, and quite frankly, it's a good idea, I think, for everybody to be thinking of different revenue streams or, or different ideas or plan Bs. I feel like that has been a good rule over the last year, certainly over the last six months, as uh, everyone's initial plans and then their backup plans have mostly fallen apart, whether that's due to COVID, whether that's due to conference realignment, whether that's due to enormous financial industry changes or all these other things, everyone's kind of scrambling to figure something else out. Like I, right before we hopped on here, I was talking to an AD that's like, yeah, well, you know, my, my basketball team went to South Alabama uh, for a game or to su- Southern Alabama for a game um, and uh, for like a, a, some kind of like off-campus tournament. And now everyone's got sniffles and we don't know if we're going to be able to play for two weeks. And that's just kind of what where the world is right now. So if you were hoping to kind of pivot to normal for 2022, my friends – it doesn't look like that's where we are right now. No, it does not. And I mean, the, the guidance even has been constantly changing on that. I mean, um, you know, before we've we taped uh, the day before, you know, the CDC has changed their uh, guidance in terms of um, the isolation period, whether you test positive or whether you're a close contact and all that. And so uh, that that is going to play a huge part. Uh, we've already seen the ACC release their medical groups. Uh, changes which uh, could have an impact in terms of the number of games getting canceled, just the number of guys uh, and, and gals that uh, end up being held out of competition. That is likely to end up decreasing, and I think there's there's going to be a knock on effect in the sports world, and uh, that's that's kind of just where we're at with with this virus. Is that um, you know we're constantly learning and and constantly evolving in terms of how we are handling things, and I think this this kind of two, three week time frame that we've had uh, towards the end of the year is, is a great example that uh, you got to stay on your toes and, and you got to be nimble uh, in terms of the adjustments. Yeah, because you know what? If you don't evolve, unfortunately, the virus apparently does. Um, I don't know. I, hopefully you and your family have been able to stay out of COVID protocols. I, I just took a test this morning. I am thankfully negative, but I have come down with a bad case of the man flu. So if my voice sounds a little bit different or congested, or maybe there's a little bit of a sniffle that gets picked up here off camera, I, I do think I'm going to live, um, but I am going to be an enormous baby about it, which I think is is my right as as a as a man when I, when I get a cold, and that's just that's kind of where we are. Uh, hopefully, if you've been vaccinated and boosted, if you have a COVID experience, it will be closer to what, what I'm experiencing right now, which is just sick enough to complain all the time, but not sick enough to actually have to go to the doctor. Um, I, 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 I don't have a great segue for this, but like, I didn't want to talk <laughs> just about COVID for another 35 minutes. Cause that's not what anybody really wants to listen to right after Christmas too. Like, you know, they don't, you know, they don't want a Debbie Downer episode, but when I was, I tried to take a little bit of time away and extra points, but the, one of the newsletters that I published uh, earlier this week 
and I'm going to dig into, I think, a little bit more over the next week or so, are these projections for what might happen next year. And by next year, I mean, you know, starting next week, right? This is the kind of thing that everybody everybody does. I did this last year, and I think got most of them in the ballpark. I, I only really, really badly whiffed, I think, on, on two things, and one of them was Texas, Oklahoma, and I think everyone in the industry whiffed on that one too, so I don't, I don't feel super bad about it. But uh, I, you're taking a look at uh, some big changes I think might happen politically, um, legally on the NIL world, some realignment world and everything. And, and I, I, we were talking a little bit about this off camera and I, or before, before we recorded. I understand you have a couple of things that you expect or think might happen that are pretty big next year as well, right? Well, I think it's, it's still a big industry shift going on, right? You know, I think we've we've mentioned it quite a few times on this podcast is is really the last, say, 18 months and, and the next probably 12 months of of the sports calendar, I guess you could say, ha- have brought about maybe the biggest changes in the NCAA and the college ecosystem that, that we've ever had. And, um, you know, it, it is a lot. It's NIL. It's, um, you know, obviously realignment, uh, like you mentioned, at, at both the highest levels and the lowest levels. And I think it's going to keep continuing. We'll, we'll see in January, obviously, with the NCAA convention. That's the, that's the big one. Uh, you're going to have uh, not only in some in-person meetings uh, in, in Indianapolis, but um, you're going to have a new constitution. You're going to have a lot of framework uh, being laid in terms of what does Division One look like uh, over the next, say, three yeah. or four months. Um, and, and that is kind of the biggest change I think everybody's going to try to keep track of is Ultimately, what is college sports uh, in in the next uh, three or four months? How, how is it governed? You know, I think that that is the big one. I think that uh, a lot of people are looking at is is uh, what, what role does the NCAA play? You know, I think everybody, uh, you know, broadly sees the NCAA taking a backseat uh, to a lot of the conferences, to a lot of, uh, you know, college leaders out there uh, and, and, and really kind of handing over uh, some, of the, some of the power. I think the other biggest, bigger, bigger question, I guess you could say, um, in, is speaking of governance, is, is what role does football play um, in, in college athletics uh, in terms of a driver's seat? I think we're, we're obviously going to talk before uh, we, we know in, in terms of playoff expansion, uh, those those. Leaders are going to meet uh, in, in mid-January as well. So um, there's probably likely to have some news on that front that uh, can have some trickle-down effect in terms of the lower leagues and what kind of money that they're going to get from this expanded playoff and when they're going to get it. Because I think that's that's been a big driver of, of some of the realignment is is when you, can you get up into Division One? When can you get some of those increased uh, you know revenue distributions? And uh, it, it's going to be a constantly changing landscape. And I think that, that more than anything is my biggest prediction for 2022 is, is you guys got to stay on your toes because uh, things are going to happen pretty fast and pretty furious uh, in, in January and then probably the month or two after that in terms of the NCA and, and, and the, the broad leadership strokes. And then from there, um, you got media rights coming up and in places like the Big Ten, you just got a lot on, on, on your plate in 2022. And it, it's going to be fun to follow, I think, for, for a lot of us inside the industry to see how things ultimately shake up, but also to kind of be in the weeds with how some of these things are, are going to get done. Let me ask you this. Because I honestly don't feel like I have a great handle on it. Like proverbial gun to your head. What do you think happens with the college football playoff? Uh, vis-a-vis expansion timelines, format, like just give me, give me, a, give me an educated guess. Uh, you know, ultimately I think 
it, it, it's tough to say. You know, I, I don't know if, if there's oh, going to be. I said enough. it, yes. <laughs> uh, I know I got to hedge a little bit, but I, I just don't get the sense that the ACC and, and the Big Ten in particular are, are going to budge far enough come January, um, you know, from basically December and that early December meeting to their, the mid-January meeting uh, to say, you know what, L- let's let's go ahead and expand this thing. You know, I think there's, there's still a lot of the details that they ultimately want to see addressed, um, you know, and I think that ultimately will hold up the process uh, and, until the end of the contract. I think this is a, a year 13 type of situation where you're looking at 2026 in terms of the ultimate playoff expansion coming, uh, which, which stinks for fans. Uh, obviously, you, you have this this tease out there of, of having 12 teams and, and being in the mix and, and all that. But uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, the concerns from the ACC and the Big Ten are enough to where they, they're not going to vote for this thing. And, and you do need that unanimous support. You do not need the unanimous support if, if you end up making it to year 13 and uh, you need a completely new contract. Contract. So uh, I think ultimately there's there's going to be a clean break. And uh, I go back to uh, many, many, many conversations with, with Bill Hancock over the years, the executive director of the CFP. He always said, um, you know, there, there's no early look-ins. This, is, this, this thing is running the length of the contract. And uh, it turns out he, he probably is going to end up being right, even though we, we did have this, this model of, of a 12-team expansion uh, come out earlier this year. Refresh my memory for – I'm I'm going to ask this on behalf of the people that haven't been following this exact issue religiously. And by some of those people, I mean me, because I've, I've I've also been like into some other, into some other stories. What specifically are the concerns for the big 10 and the ACC? Because from my advantage, it seems like both of those leagues would certainly benefit in the short term from some sort of expanded playoff, especially if you're an ACC team, that's not Clemson. Oh, absolutely. I think that is the, the funny thing. I think when you, when you ask folks around the industry, it's just like, why, why is the ACC in, in particular blocking this? You can kind of understand some of the concerns the Big Ten wants. Uh, you know, they are obviously coming in into um, uh, uh, media rights negotiations. So maybe they, they don't exactly want a big item like this, like the CFP going to 12, uh, hitting the market at the same time that they're negotiating with TV partners. But, um, you know, the ACC, ACC in particular, um, you know, I think there's some slight concerns, uh, whether that's from the presidents, whether that's from the coaches uh, or ADs in terms of the number of games. Um, obviously, the where the games are being played, I think is probably the biggest sticking point for a lot of folks, um, whether that's on campus, whether that's in the bowl system. Uh, I know the Big Ten in particular would like uh, – the bowl system to to be in, be a part of uh, the twelve teamer and, and how things uh, ultimately end up happening and so uh, there, there's the Rose Bowl question you know where where does that get played you know when does that get played who is involved in the Rose Bowl I mean this is I, I, I think it should be played somewhere that's not the Rose Bowl personally to just make people's heads explode just keep oh. it in Dallas. Well, we, we played, yeah, I was going to say, we played in Dallas last year. So, uh, you know, what's really stopping them? But, you know, the, the interesting thing, especially about the, the alliance, is that this is really kind of a two-headed thing with, with Kevin Warren and Jim Phillips. Because George Klyovkov, the, the Pac-12 commissioner, uh, he, he will take expansion any way it comes. You know, I think oh, yeah. he, he would definitely would, would like, you know, multiple media partners, which is uh, a big thing for, for a lot of folks, not just the Big Ten and the ACC. But, um, you know, I, I think a lot of folks would, would like, you know, so, some additional changes uh, to the cu- current playoff system. And, and how it's marketed, how it's uh, certainly run, how it's uh, televised, and all that. But at the end of the day, the, the Pac-12 is like, I, I, we, we just want the 12 teams. If we got to kind of live within this these confines for, for two seasons, I, I think we're, we're perfectly comfortable with that. I, I'm not sure that I get the sense that the Big Ten and, and the ACC ultimately want to do that. Maybe they maybe they get there. Um, you know, uh, it's been tough uh, with, with all the holidays and, and everything we've been doing, going to actually kind of check in on, on a little a lot of this stuff, uh, especially yeah. given. 
how crazy the bowl season has been in terms of checking in on, on teams, whether they're playing or not. But um, I think for the most part, you know, this is going to be a test case for the ACC and the Big Ten um, and, and where they ultimately lie. A, a lot of it, too, comes down to who is that 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 power five conference champion that, that ultimately gets guaranteed a bid? You know, I think the, the guaranteed bids, whether it's the, the ultimate top five, uh, five plus one, um, you know, whether it's a uh, top six, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of models out there uh, in terms of who ultimately gets guaranteed a bid that, that I know the ACC and, and, and the big 10 are concerned about as well. Uh, you know, the Pac 12, a little bit less so, like I said, but uh, this is, this is a, a, a constantly evolving uh, conversation. I, I would hope that they can kind of, come to the conclusion that at least we can do this now and, and, and get that playoff uh, here sooner rather than later, if nothing else, to get a bigger check. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, I, I would ultimately guess that uh, come January, you're going to have an announcement that uh, the 12 teamers is coming in 2026. You know, I, I when, when I had been doing national radio and people ask me this question, this is one of the, the three that everyone always asks. I, I, I my, my go-to line has been, you know, panic is a great muse College administrators work the same way that college students do, which is most effectively absolutely up against a deadline. And so I just kind of assumed that there would be some kind of breakthrough at the last possible moment because that's how these things kind of work. But maybe there isn't. And and there, the point that you bring up there about the, the Big Ten and the media rights angle is, is one that maybe I hadn't completely thought through, which makes a lot of sense. If I remember correctly, that's the only major college sports property that's that's likely to to sign a new deal over the next year um i have seen you know this this was my prediction i saw this from sbj as well i've heard this from a couple other kind of connected people here i'm hearing a lot more from folks saying the big 10 may not do espn at all like they they, they might they might be the the first big power conference to just it's it's move away from that entirely, whether that's 100% with Fox, whether that's sharing that with Fox and CBS, who has been a longtime Big Ten basketball partner and now would like to get back into college football, um, whether that's Big Ten CBS and, and a third entity. Um, that's a real possibility. And and if you're somebody that, that cares very deeply about announcing pairings, that's something that I think to keep in mind, an eye on here over the next couple of months. Because I don't think that, I don't, I don't think the Big Ten is going to sign a deal in like November. I feel like that's something that might happen the summer, right? Yeah, I would anticipate certainly, you know, kind of that summer time frame. Just from a, a marketing standpoint, you want to be kind of, kind of go into a year and, and kind of trumpet uh, what, what's coming up, and, and especially how much how much money and you know an increase these these schools are going to get. But um, you know, to me, I think the who is that second partner? Because I think without a doubt, Fox is is going to be either the, the top partner or, or certainly the, the uh, more favored of, of the two halves uh, of this Big Ten media rights package. Uh, I think Fox has gone all in in terms of courting the Big Ten. Obviously, they yep. have that financial connection with the, the Big Ten network that they even in, increased their stake about uh, to, to at least 61% uh, as part of their, some of their recent uh, financial filings. So the, the ties between Fox and, and the Big Ten are are, are definitely there. And, and yeah. I think it's... It would Remember be, who's in charge of Fox now, or at least Fox yeah. Sports, right? Yeah, so it, it would be a, a a complete shock, you know, if, if Fox is, is not, uh, I don't know if they can afford the the entire package outright um, to, to control all of the Big Ten rights, but uh, I think ultimately, you know, the, the Big Ten and, and who is that second partner? I, I, I understand uh, a lot of the talk about CBS, and, and certainly they would need that uh, to kind of fill that 330 window that has been such a staple, and, and they would love to get it, go from some of the SEC games to those big fan, fan bases in the Big Ten. Um, you got to keep in mind that uh, CBS as well you know, has a lot of uh, owned and operated stations, you know, in, in, in yep. part of the Midwest, so 
so that uh, that helps them and on a secondary front and in, in the balance sheet and, and to me um you know I, I think you know NBC will be less of a player I, I I'm very curious to see if, if discovery and and Warner media whatever this conglomeration is going to be uh, whether they are even a player in, in in the big 10 media rights because this is a, a company that um, you know David Zasloff and, and and some of the folks there they're big sports fans and they understand the power of brands and there's no bigger brands than big 10 so I, I wouldn't be shocked um, if CBS is, is the ultimate winner here, but uh, I think Discovery and, and, and the, the Warner Media Collection are going to make a strong bid uh, at, at the end of the day if they are able to get uh, a lot of their 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 T's crossed and, and their I's dotted in terms of that merger. Uh, because I think they, they love sports rights. I think this is a big time property that they could really go after uh, with a, with a big check to kind of land and, and establish themselves in the space. And um, you know, I think CBS has has money to play. They're interested, I think, in uh, you know marquee events like this and. and and, and bring the Big Ten uh, on board fully. They already have a, a pretty hefty relationship with the conference uh, yeah. through basketball. So uh, th- th- it's going to be one of the more unique uh, unique challenges. I think uh, everybody's talking about the CFP, but to me, the Big Ten media rights and, and who ultimately lands uh, the, these packages is going to be one of the bigger storylines of, of 2022 after kind of that initial burst in the spring. Yeah, this, this is a big deal for a couple of different reasons. Uh, it's a big deal if you are a consumer that cares deeply about uh, which streaming package or which channel that, that you're on. It's a big deal because we haven't had a, a real test case about how ESPN was broadcasting, uh, you know, and their personalities and their, their, their cover strategy is going to shift towards a, a major league they don't have any relationship with. If you read Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State message boards, you'll find people that believe there's an anti-ESPN bias against them, even though ESPN is currently a Big Ten media partner and Ohio State is arguably the biggest brand in all of college athletics. But after now you're going into business with Texas and Oklahoma, if you shift that entirely, that's going to be something people talk about. We saw how ESPN treated the NHL when they weren't business partners. It's also important because this is the first big deal that kind of resets the market for the next couple of years for for college rights, knowing that we're going to have the Pac-12 and the Big 12 um, uh, go to market after this. They're going to be looking to see what kind of deal and what kind of parameters the the, the Big Ten ends up getting. So that, that's important. And the Big Ten, they're going to make a uh, – I want to use the exact industry-specific standard term here. They're going to make a shit ton of money from this deal. The, the There is a question about whether it's exactly as big of a deal as they had hoped when they knew they were going to be going to market at this time period. Um, I, I think it is possible that they might only get 85% of what they were originally hoping for. Um, obviously, you, you couldn't have predicted COVID. You couldn't have predicted some of the things that would happen with ESPN and Fox during that time period or, or even complete consumer behavior changes. But I think we're looking at a world where Big Ten schools are making over $60 million a year. And they, and they need to because they uh, a bunch of these schools have borrowed under the hope of, of, of having that predictable income over the next couple of years. So if they take a bath on this and they, then Ohio state's going to be fine, but Iowa and Rutgers and Maryland are not. I, I, w- I would be shocked if, if they came in under $60 million a year. Uh, you know, and obviously the, the way these TV deals are, are typically structured is, is it, it will be an escalating payment over, yep. over the lifetime of the deal. The, the numbers you're yep. going to see are, are basically averages o- over the course of the contract. To me, that, that might be the more interesting question is, is just how long are, are these deals going to run? I'm you know, more interested in that than the, than the top line number two, especially because like you and I, we don't get equity in this deal. So like whether it's 61 or 63, like who cares? All these schools are already rich. But whether it's four years or seven years in our industry, that that that's a bigger question. 
because because you know uh, the NFL deals obviously those were decade long deals and even they do have some look ins but uh, you know to me you know is is this a deal that is is set up to where the Big Ten wants to uh, firmly cash in on on the dying days of, of television and, and cable households and all that uh, or or is this one maybe more of a shorter term one where they know you know what uh, we we understand the world is is a streaming future and guess what we got a great product because we have these massive fan bases that want to pay for our content and uh, that to me is why I would not count out ESPN. I think we've, we've had that discussion about ESPN kind of taking a backseat to others, but uh, the way that they have gone about acquiring media rights the, the last couple of years, um, you know, they, they've spent big for Bundesliga. They, they spent big for La Liga. They spent big for, um, they were in on the Premier League uh, and, and trying to get creative to, to obtain those rights. You know, they've, they've, they've gone heavy into soccer. I, I think they, they understand the value of the Big Ten, uh, especially in those early TV windows um, that they probably are not going to get as many of, uh, not just because they, they do have some some increased inventory from the SEC, but uh, I, I would be surprised if if the uh, you know ESPN and and the Big Twelve re up again, uh, which was obviously has a lot of uh, yeah, you know, crossover. Especially if executive leadership is the remains the same as they look at that yeah. other deal. I, that's that's probably a relationship that can't be completely reconciled. Yeah, but but I, I think if you're looking at it at a, maybe a shorter term deal, uh, I think ESPN is, is definitely going to be you know quite heavily involved, and, and I could ulti- ultimately see something like the SEC has done, you know, to where it's it is big money, uh, you know, kind of upfront. Maybe maybe even there's there's some guarantees in terms of um, you know the primetime games or or those early noon windows uh, that, that ESPN makes to the Big Ten. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a smaller package uh, that, that I think everybody understands. Um, you know, this is not going to be Ohio State, Michigan going on ABC anymore. Uh, that that's likely to stick completely with. Fox, um, you know, to me though, is, is is will ESPN, you know, kind of make it a, a, a point of emphasis to where Purdue, Indiana ends up on ESPN plus, and, and they're going to overpay for that right to do that because that, that is something I could definitely see uh, happening as part of this. And, and uh, that, that is kind of the, the bigger unknown is, is ultimately what is the length of this deal? And, and real, really what do the partners want to do with these rights? Because that is the, the overarching question and will inform, like you mentioned, some of the other media rights deals coming up between the, the PAC 12, the big 12, uh, obviously even the CFP uh, when, when that hits the market as well. I would be a little bit surprised if this is a very long-term deal. And if I am a major conference at this point, I think I would need just briefcases and briefcases full of money to make me want to do a long-term deal. And quite frankly, even if I'm, if I'm ESPN, I might not want one because we are entering into a world of increased volatility, not just in consumer behavior for linear and, and conventional television, but within governance of college athletics itself. So if you're committing to anything over 12 years, the product that you're paying for could look very, very, very different in 12 years, right? Like to, to, to kind of dovetail into another potential place where we could see some big changes in, 20, in 2022 is the, uh, the employment classification of college athletes. And could something happen not just by 2032, but by the end of next year, where um, the idea of the of the amateur student athlete is 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 uh, legally diminished further to the point where now Arkansas State has some challenging questions to to answer. Yeah, like that is that is a thing that could happen. I am much more skeptical about the um, how fast this could happen than maybe some other people on Twitter. But like this, these are things that you have to be talking through if you're any vendor that's looking at doing any kind of relationship more than like three years. I think. Well, you know, I, I think it's it's always funny because I, I feel like 
half the time, you know, you, you get on Twitter and, and there's something, a, a topic related to college football and, and you almost need a law degree to kind of understand some of it. That That is never going to be more the more the case in, in, than in 2022 between the, the constitutional changes that we've mentioned, but also labor law uh, and, and things with NIL. I think there's going to be certain certain um, you know federal pushes in terms of legislation. Uh, obviously, the NCAA has made it a priority to get NIL legislation done. I, I don't know if that's ultimately going to happen in, in 2022, given kind of the lame duck status of, of Congress and how divided politically everything is, but yeah. uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't. I would be really surprised if that happens now. But I, I mean, you add it all up, and and I, I think that the the legal rights uh, and, and the legal fights that, that are coming to college athletics, um, which have already been uh, pretty lengthy and, and, and pretty long and, and pretty uh, pretty established. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is, um, you know, you mentioned the NLRB that sort those sort of rulings are are going to come into focus. I think at, at an even even greater standpoint uh, in come twenty twenty two because uh, the amount of money that that uh, these guys are generating uh, the the amount of interest uh, that, that is in this topic uh, itself um, is, is slowly gaining steam. And I think from not just a, a college sports perspective, but uh, from a higher ed perspective as well, uh, I think there's going to be some increased attention paid to uh, ultimately how are student athletes classified? Uh, you know, what are they labeled yeah. as? Uh, and, and, and are there any kind of general tax ramifications uh, for schools, for donors, for, um, you know, even the, even the students themselves. I think that's, that's going to be uh, something more on the back burner at the early part of the year. But uh, as we kind of move on from that, uh, could, could end up taking a, a big chunk of our time uh, come, come late spring in, into the summer. Yeah, we're, we're probably going to have other labor law people come on this show and, and on the places where we produce content. Let me, I, I'm going to, why don't I quickly kind of break down the tape, I guess, about where I look, see both of these things going? Because th- this is an area where I've actually I've spent a little bit more time talking to people and kind of digging than I have maybe where the college football plan is going to go. So your first thing, and I wrote about this a little bit earlier, which I'll, uh, well, there's not going to be any show notes, so you can find it at extrapointsmb.com, about federal NIL legislation. This is something that Mark Emmert wants. It's something that a lot of athletic directors want, a lot of university presidents want, because they feel that – the colleges can't set any kind of like meaningful national guidelines about what is and what is not permitted. And we're starting to see more states and schools find ways to push the proverbial envelope about how directly involved they can be, uh, how close they can skirt the line about paying for pay for play. And, and also who's supposed to enforce any of these even like basic guidelines. Anyway, the, the fact that the NCAA is, is opening, uh, is looking into the BYU and Miami deals, um, after they said they weren't really going to be placing a, a heavy investigative emphasis on, on this world, uh, you know, speaks to a lot of the confusion. Unfortunately, the, the NCAA can't really do that without getting sued again, um, is their general consensus. And, and if they actually try to smack, you know, levy penalties to BYU, Miami, or Texas, or some of these other places, it's going to be in court eight hours. It's going, there's going to be a lawsuit eight hours later. Darren Heitner probably has the thing already typed up on it. So like, I, I mean, like that's, that's a joke, but it's not really a joke. Um, so like, that's why they want Congress. And last year there was some real optimism that Congress could get something done because um, as we've talked about before, it's uncommon for there to be bipartisan consensus about everything. And both some of the most conservative members and some of the most progressive members both agree the NCAA sucks and that there's broad agreement in uh, support of NIL rights. Um, to the best of my knowledge, I think there's only like three senators that are like on the record of like not being in favor of this development in some capacity. The problem is this, even though there's been like 
five, I think, Senate bills proposed, and I think two in the House. You got a couple issues. One is, especially in the House, the the leaders that are most personally invested in this issue are not going to be in the next Congress, either because um, they are retiring, uh, they are going to be redistricted out of their spots, um, or that they're 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 moving on to do other things. You know, particularly Anthony Gonzalez, former Ohio State great, former NFL player, um, Republican out of Ohio said Trump was bad and now he has to re- resign. And he's like, he was a major uh, consensus builder in the house. So you're losing some of the brain power uh, and like, inertia behind trying to work for some of those bills. And then in the Senate, you have a big disagreement between do we craft a very skinny bill, which basically just provides some, some framework and gives antitrust protection for the NCAA, which is what some more conservative members want. Or do we want something that's more expansive that addresses name, image, or likeness and athlete health care and athlete labor law, labor rights and um, athlete educational experience. And as you can imagine, the more stuff you tack on to that, to that bill, the more politically divisive it becomes. Uh, you have a group of Democrats, mostly in the Northeast, in the, in the Senate that are really pushing hard for uh, making this expansive in part because they also see that if we, uh, if, if the government expands labor rights to college athletes and allows collective bargaining or a pathway to that, then that can be a pathway to improving organized labor generally across the South and the rural West, places where labor, organized labor is, is, not as, is not as strong. Like that is the long-term Bernie Sanders goal of this is to find a way to, to crack down on right-to-work states because it means they, they're going to want to make sure Alabama football can be unionized. Um, that may make sense long-term, but – this is not a 65 uh, Democratic seat Senate. It's 50-50, and in practice, it's like 48, 47, 3, and 50. And um, after Joe Manchin kind of blew up Build Back Better, uh, the the number one, two, and three legislative priority at the beginning of this year is we got to cobble together something from the, the Biden administration's like goals. Uh, college sports is not priority one, two, or five, justifiably so, I think. And then there's only like six days you, that everyone's going to be in D.C. together in January. Um, and then by the time you get to March, they're all focused on the reelection. Uh, and then basically nobody votes on anything. And I, I know I don't want to be too explicitly partisan here, but the uh, tea leaves would indicate that Democrats are going to get their ass kicked in the House and the Senate. So if, why would you, if you're a Republican who cares about this at all, why would you want to concede anything? knowing that if you just hold on for a couple more months, you're going to have 55 Republican votes in, votes, uh, votes in the Senate. And you don't have to allow athlete or uh, collective bargaining because you're going to have the majority. And then Biden will veto it and we won't do anything. So I, I look at this and think federal legislative action is really unlikely. And if it's going to happen, it has to happen very soon in 2022. And I think it has to be really pretty skinny. Um, I think you might be able to get something that offers antitrust exemptions for both regulating NIL and regulating like athletic spending or coaching salaries. I think you might be able to get NIL and changing the tax code to make gigantic buyouts no longer tax deductible or, or trying to regulate some of the spending that comes in that way. You might be able to get some healthcare stuff, but I think anything more expansive than that is going to get, is going to get, is not going to make it past the drafting board, which is based on the political realities of the situation right now. 
Yeah, I think that uh, that is definitely right. And, and to me, the more interesting thing that, that I see politically is, is what happens along the margins. You know, how, how involved yep. are, are the state governments in terms yep. of some of these issues? Uh, how involved are I, you know, places like the FTC? You know, in, in terms of some of these larger deals and and, and how they're they're presented, um, you know, I think there are, there are a lot of in, interesting things around the margins that, that I think could end up happening um, oh, yeah. surrounding these issues that that I think are are, are worth following. But um, you know, what what the timetable is for some of that stuff, you know, whether it ultimately ends up happening, uh, like you said, there, there's a lot on the, on the plate of the folks in Washington and, and a lot of really incentive to to not do anything. So I think that's ultimately what we'll end up seeing. If things do not end up happening right away, uh, come 2022, and, and after that calendar turns, um, I, I would expect you can just kind of dwindle in terms of the, the amount of options that you're going to have, whether you're the NCA or, or others in terms of getting something done. Uh, you know, certainly coming out of the spring. Yeah, we're already seeing Florida amend their NIL bill, or at least proposing to amend their NIL bill, and, and I suspect within the first six months of the legislative season, season at the state house level next year, we're going to see more states. Uh, alter theirs to allow high school students to take advantage of this marketplace without losing their eligibility. Uh, I want to say it's just like five states right now that allow that, and one of them is Alaska. So it's as far as D1 athletics is concerned, it's a little bit moot. That, that might impact like six kids like total. Um, I would imagine that that's going to change. And what we saw last year was that there's a lot of copycat bills, and states generally err towards being the most permissive. So I would look at a place like Texas, uh, which has a more restrictive bill right now, or Ohio, which has a more restrictive bill comparatively, uh, shifting to be more like a place like Missouri or Florida, uh, which have more, or California for that matter, which have more more permissive uh, name image likeness bills. Yeah, I think that more than anything is, is what you're going to see movement on fairly quickly. I think in, yeah. in 2022 is those state legislatures kind of opening things up to to the status quo because uh, they, they're hearing it from from their coaches that, that they kind of rub elbows with. They're hearing it from the ads and, and school presidents. Like, look, you know, state over, you know, that they, they get to do whatever they want, and and we don't because of this law. And so I think that ultimately will will cause some state legislatures to to move pretty quickly in terms of opening things up and at least going back to kind of the general nil standard that the NCA set. Um, when they release the thing on, on July 1st. That, that to me is ultimately what will happen uh, with, with a lot of the states that do have those restrictions. You mentioned the high school athletes, though. That, that to me is one of the more intriguing things that uh, have come out of NIL is, is what these states and, and how they approach with, with their own student athletes. I mean, I, I'm obviously from Texas, and, and I think it's a touchy subject in, in the state of Texas because – there's the whole Quinn and yours deal. I, I, I get that, but I think there's also a lot of um, interest because, uh, frankly, a lot of those those high school athletes that, that are playing on Friday nights, they have never been more marketable in, in their entire careers than they are uh, playing on Friday nights uh, for their high schools. And, and uh, to be able to open things up and, and and take advantage of some of that things in, in places like Texas, I, I think it would be huge for, for them and their system. But uh, ultimately, what, what ends up happening uh, in, in the state house and all that, I, I don't know. But uh, I think that's one of the kind of things that the undercurrents, I guess you could say, uh, that, that you can kind of follow along in 2022. Yeah, I, I would be very interested in hearing about what the debate looks like in Texas because I mean like I I started my career as a high school preps reporter in Ohio which also cares very deeply about high school sports and and quite frankly I think the name image likeness value of all maybe uh, other than like two athletes in Ohio would be basically nothing uh, beyond the fact that they're minors 
<laughs> and and so like literally paying them to do anything, particularly if they're if they're under they're underclassmen, is is legally challenging and may not be worth the effort, even if they have big social media followings. But uh, to be the most famous athlete in Muskingum County, Ohio, doesn't matter as much as it does in Odessa uh, or Wichita Falls or or maybe a couple other places in other states. So like when I would see the National High School Athletic Association just absolutely lose their minds over all of this. It, it felt very alien because while like, I really do believe that every college athlete in Division One and, and probably in, in D2 and D3 has an NIL value above zero, it may not be a lot above zero, but it's above zero. I don't think that that's true for high school athletes. Um, and but we'll, I guess we'll I guess we'll see what the market will bear because if, if there's one thing I think we've seen over these past couple of months is this isn't an efficient market generally. Uh, some of the the decisions are irrational, and, and that kind of I think dovetails into I, what, maybe one prediction I feel really good about for next year is we are going to see some lawsuits for name <laughs> image like this. We are going to see some of these companies that offered real big money in the beginning of this go bankrupt, and people sue each other. We are going to see some athletes sue uh, brands for non-payment. We are going to see, uh, I, 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 maybe not this year, but relatively soon, an athlete, a brand going after an athlete for not fulfilling the terms of the agreement. And I think we're going to see the IRS get involved on all levels. Um, we're going to see a bunch of athletes get very confused about the $700 deals that they did is suddenly facing a tax bill because they didn't file a W-9 or you know W-4 correctly. Um, which I mean, that happened to me when I was in college. It's that it, 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 no one, no one, even if you give them the seminar from influencer, I don't think all that stuff's going to sink in, especially because the compliance paperwork early in this process wasn't totally uh, unified. And we're, I think we're going to see the IRS look at a couple of situations like Horns for Heart or uh, ones that come up similar later and say, like, are these really charitable donations? Really? Like, are, 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 are you the Ford dealership just trying to get a bigger tax write off and also help lure people to, to Texas? Like the, 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 the cheating thing that is more interesting to me is not about the, the Rand paying the athlete to go to a different school. That's been happening since 1898. I just can't care anymore. But if that brand is trying to do it to evade federal taxes, that may be something that the tax people actually start to care about. And that's where, so you know, th- that's the investigative body that I think has more teeth and more standing and more interest in this stuff than the NCAA does. I mean, we've already kind of seen uh, we're, we're seeing some of the conclusions related to a lot of the federal F- FBI investigation in terms of the basketball side. Um, you know, NCAA State just got their NCAA case uh, process. So uh, th- there's also that, you know, kind of going uh, parallel as well in terms of what happens with uh, some of the things that are already in the system. But uh, you're right. I think that the amount of lawsuits and stuff that are going to come out of NIL and these deals, uh, I, I can't wait to kind of dig into them almost uh, a, a little bit. Uh, I feel strange saying that almost because you, you understand that uh, there are things that uh, ended up happening. That, that force these two parties into into these lawsuits, but um, it, it, it is it's going to be a fascinating kind of storyline to follow in, in 2022. And and to me, the other thing that related to nil that um, you know I'm sure you would believe in is is where is that kind of stasis in, in the system in terms of those big brand deals in particular? You know, is, is are we going to see some more uh, deals like Nike had with uh, with Kayvon Thibodeau? You know, are, are we going to see some of those uh, more relationships uh, between the bigger yeah. brands start to come into the nil space while some of those other smaller uh, deals that we start to see with the car dealerships and whatnot kind of phase out and, and start to see, you know what, I wasn't getting much value for my money sponsoring for, for football players for a hundred grand. You know, I think that, that, that to me is 
where's the business kind of dollars and cents uh, start to kind of come into things. And, and yeah. I think for both the the targets and, and the Walmarts of the world and, and, and your local car dealerships, that, that to me is where they kind of figure things out uh, is going to be interesting. And, and I, I think honestly, we're, we're headed towards a lot of consolidation too, in terms of a lot of those NIL companies out there, um, you know, they, they yeah. try to jump out there, try to kind of claim their, piece of real estate. I think we're going to start to see a lot of mergers and acquisitions um, as, as some of the bigger uh, NIL companies, uh, you know, really kind of seek to kind of gobble up land and, and, and kind of consolidate uh, the industry pretty quickly compared to uh, a lot of others. Yeah, that I totally agree. I think, I think we're looking at over 12 marketplaces right now, and not to mention the myriad other entities that are trying to help broker very specific kinds of deals or set up coaching or set up uh, NFTs or set up some of these other places. And now, and, and I'm, I'm going to spoil a story I'm writing. I, I in Jan- Early January, I hope to have a story on some of these school-specific marketplaces that are being set up right now. There's, there's a, I want to say, close to a dozen in, uh, schools that are setting up like a, there's going to be a Southern Miss NIL marketplace. If you just want to work with Southern Miss people, there's going to be one for DePaul, I think one for Texas A&M. And this space is growing, but there's a hell of a lot of athletes that aren't haven't signed up to any of these things, particularly uh, athletes at low and mid majors. Uh, that like when I talk to athletes at Moorhead State, there's like, I, what, what's a marketplace, right? There's there's still thousands, and, and there's still thousands of people that, that aren't plugged in. Even if they all do, this world can't support twelve. This world can't support six different coaching apps. Um, there's not there's simply not that much money, particularly because the margins on so many of these deals for the the, the marketplace are really low. Like I did a bunch of these deals for extra points and like open doors made like 60 bucks off of me. Um, it just, I, I got a lot more value out of that than they, than they did. So you're right. Some of them that were not really well capitalized in the beginning. Um, you've seen a couple of them raise a lot of money. Uh, open doors raised a lot of money. Market price got, uh, got a, their first seed round. I want to say mogul got some money. If you didn't get a big round uh, or you haven't grown like you wanted to in six months, someone's going to try to buy you out to get out to your user base. And like, I, I imagine we're going to see a stasis where it's, maybe four or five and, and, and a one or two companies that, that go after a couple of these other niches. That's, that, that, that's, just, that's just how these, these markets work. And if somebody with enough market share, like unrelated wants to jump in, that could disrupt everything too. Yeah. I mean, what, what happens when, when IMG or Endeavor, you know, really yeah. jump in with two feet, you know, and start throwing around some of the money that they've done uh, and, and, and with coaches or with, with administrators and all that, uh, you know, that, that to me is, is the bigger question, you know, can, can you get a, you know, I, I know a lot of the, the agencies, you know, they, they would love to kind of get these, these, these folks from uh, kind of uh, budding college stars uh, all the way through their, their NFL deals. And then and on into, uh, as we talk about uh, quite a bit, uh, you know, expanding their empire for film and TV and all that sort of stuff. And so I think, um, you know, whether uh, those bigger, bigger agencies, bigger companies start to kind of jump in with two feet uh, is something that I think is, is going to end up happening. Um, where on the timeline in 2022, who knows, but I think there is kind of that marketplace uh, for them to kind of come in and, and disrupt a lot of things that uh, some of these college specific companies ha- have already been doing. You know, speaking of disrupting, uh, there is one other company that I would like to briefly mention here before we wrap up. And that is, uh, my dear friends at Homefield Apparel, uh, a, a new sponsor here of Going for Two. Um, I'm I'm not just saying this because they are giving us a check. I'm saying this because, like, literally right now, I am wearing a Homefield T-shirt. It's not an exaggeration that eighty percent of my casual wardrobe at this point consists of Homefield apparel. 
Um, these, this is a, a company based out of uh, Indianapolis, so they're, they're fellow Midwesterners like, like I am, that specialize in vintage collegiate apparel um, with all of the logos and prints from the 1930s and 40s and 50s stuff that your school used for three years and then forgot about. And they're bringing it back now because it's weird and unique and it speaks to what like you love about your particular school. Uh, and it's on the most comfortable shirts and sweatpants and hoodies. I think I think I've ever worn, which is why I'm wearing. I have never been to Miami, and I'm wearing a Sebastian the Ibis, you know, like green and orange T-shirt right now. When I go outside a little bit later to my wood shop, I'm going to put on my West Virginia hoodie, another institution that I did not attend. My alma mater, the Ohio State University, as not licensed home field. So, uh, if you are a licensing individual that works at an institution in Columbus, fix that <laughs> because most schools are, and I would buy a bunch of Ohio State stuff. Um, you have home field apparel stuff too, don't you, Brian? I do. And, and we'll wear it quite often because, uh, you know, not only is, is it super comfortable, but, uh, you know, like you said, I, I just love the logos. And I think I, I probably six months ago, I just went on the website and just like added a bunch of stuff that I, I want to eventually buy. And, and it was like, you know, like five yeah. grand worth of, of merch. And, uh, they, they since <laughs> added like, they, they, you know, they since added like, like 25 schools. So it's like, I, I gotta go do that process again, but, uh, terrific stuff. And, and like you said, uh, I am someone who, who loves going to, you know, if I, if I go visit a school, I love getting yeah. a pair of shorts or a shirt and this allows me to do that uh, without the visiting part because that is a little bit more difficult now Uh, but uh, it's great to get the classic logos and uh, more than more often than not uh, I'll get a shirt and and I'll put it on and my wife will be like what school what what school is that what logo is that and 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 it's fascinating to kind of explain uh, you know what it is and and, and where it came from but uh, yeah great great stuff this is why we have stuff with an angry surfing wave um it it it, it, speak, it speaks it speaks to who we are, and also um, Homefield makes the extra point shirts. So if you want the old timey football player carrying a bag of money logo, uh, you can grab that at homefieldapparel.com slash products slash bagman. Um, if you would like to grab some Homefield stuff, you shouldn't pay full price. You shouldn't pay full price for anything if you can avoid it. New customers can get fifteen percent off their first purchase with code extra points. That's E-X-T-R-A-P-O-I-N-T-S, all one word, extra points at checkout. Um, these are our friends, and the, they make really good stuff. So if you, listen, you're probably going to be at home a lot next year anyway. You should do it. Well, you should be at home and be comfortable. And you should do it and be home and be comfortable wearing a T-shirt with a, uh, maybe an anteater surfing from UC Irvine. And you can get that at homefieldapparel.com. Um we are using some of that sweet, sweet home field money, I think, to, to add a couple of other cool features and changes to not just extra points, but this podcast. Dude, I don't, I don't know about you. I, I, why, I, there is a lot of uncertainty and big structural questions about our industry and the world that we live and society for next year. If I can bring things down to a granular level, I'm really excited for this podcast and I'm excited for extra points next year. I am too. I mean, this is part of the reason why uh, we've we've kind of migrated over to as, as part of the D1 Ticker family, and uh, excited to kind of lean on them with their expertise and uh, expand this thing because uh, we're, we're certainly clamoring for it. We appreciate you listening. I think it, it's been fantastic, uh, especially having conversations with folks not only in the industry but but outside of it with with uh, with friends and family, and say, "Hey, we listen to the podcast. We, we love what you guys talk about. That's that that's so encouraging for us, and, and we can't wait because we're, we're bringing you more. We, we've got more in store, and, and so hopefully uh, everybody will will enjoy that as well yes i can't i can't spill the beans yet entirely but more in store seems like a good theme for 2022 if you like what brian and i do 
Uh, friends, you can find the newsletter at extrapointsmb.com. If you haven't signed up for a free subscription yet, I say this with love in my heart. What the hell are you waiting for? It's free. You can, you can get two newsletters a week. You can also pay and get four. It's a great newsletter to understand what's going on uh, off the field in college sports. Uh, Brian, where can our listeners find you? As always, on Twitter, Brian D. Fisher, B-R-Y-A-N-D-F-I-S-C-H-E-R, and that uh, I will have all my links to everything and uh, all the latest and greatest as, as we move into 2022 and all that entails. Friends, I now have been talking for 50 minutes, which means I need to go take some Benadryl and expel uh, uh, all kinds of, of cold stuff here from my head. So I need to go hop off. But everyone, thanks so much here for listening. Enjoy the rest of your holidays. Be safe. Be healthy. And uh, we'll catch up with you again soon.